Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning with a message of encouragement. And the title of this message is, There is Power in Your Praise. There is power in your praise. Will you turn to the person next to you with your cheesiest Sunday morning church voice in the chat online? There is power. Just say it to them. There is power in your praise. <laughs> in the chat, you can just emojiize that whole process. It's much easier. I learned this truth 25 years ago, almost to the day. I was 19 years old. I was in my first term at university. I'd become a Christian the year before. And it was Easter. Easter holidays had just come around, and I'd been back home with my dad visiting where he lived in the West Country. And at the time, he'd been a, a bit unwell, really unwell. In fact, he'd had um, a heart defect he was born with. And the consequence was he needed a bypass that was booked in for the week after. And my dad was an amazing guy. He was actually an artist. He was a sculptor. And he'd started working on a series of sculptures on the life of Christ. He'd not really grown up with a faith. When I was growing up, he'd become recently fascinated with the person of Jesus. And he started making these sculptures about Jesus. And we were all a bit freaked out. I'd become a Christian. The rest of my family were like, what is he doing in his studio over in the garden making sculptures of Jesus? He'd done this, this one of Jesus as the good shepherd with like this lamb. And it was super abstract, but really cool. And that weekend, we'd spent some like quality time hanging out together. And as the weekend came to an end, uh, I was driving away from the house. I remember feeling in my heart, this was a significant moment because he was about to go in for like major surgery. I don't know if you've got a loved one or a relative and you know you're parting ways with them and you're worried about them, but there's something poignant about that moment where you linger a little bit and you, you say a kind of different kind of goodbye. So I go back to university and I start term on the Monday and on the Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. I get this phone call that wakes me up. And down the line comes the news that my dad had died in the night from a massive heart attack. And the paramedics had done everything they could to revive him, to save him, but his heart had just stopped working. And it was too late. And he was gone. And I put the phone down and I lay there in bed. And in that moment, my whole world felt like it was in shock. It was reeling. There was this long, lonely silence. And if you ever lost someone you love, you'll know the feeling that that brings. He was a huge force in my life. He was an encourager. He cheered me on. He loved me. And suddenly, the idea of him not being there as a 19-year-old was a little bit like if you told me the, the earth was going to shift on its axis. Suddenly everything was like out of kilter. And I, I felt really alone. It's like grief is one of those things, it's like a kind of weight that just pushes down on you. You can't really hide from it. And the truth is we're all going to face moments like this in our lives. You may have experienced it 
already, or maybe the, like not something as dramatic as that, but just the pain of carrying a situation or a circumstance that feels hard. I wonder what your battle is today. Maybe it's emotional pain that's crippling. Maybe it's pressure in your workplace. You're dreading going into work tomorrow. Maybe it's stress about your health, or maybe it's criticism that is unfounded. Maybe it's disappointment in friendships. Maybe it's uncertainty that is leading you to a period of insecurity. Maybe it's hardship in your finances right now. Maybe it's the death of someone you love. So that morning, 17th of April, 1977, I'm lying in bed, and it could have only have been the Spirit of God working in me. And my mind goes to this story in the book of Job, when Job has everything taken away, and he loses everything. He experiences grief. And rather than kind of flip out and be angry with God in heaven, he chooses to praise God in that moment. He knows the secret that there is power in your praise. And Job, in Job 1.21, he says this, the Lord gave, Job says, the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And in that moment, by choosing praise, something changes in his situation. The situation is still the same, but his perspective changes. So that moment I roll out of bed and I think of Job and I'm, you know, not pretending that I'm anything like that kind of level of like whatever, you know, it's like, this is not like, this is a kid 19 years old in a hall of residence at university. But I said, well, look, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to lift my hands to heaven. I'm going to say, God, I know you give. I know you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise changes your perspective. Little did I know at the time, but later that day, I would discover in a powerful way the truth that there is power in your praise. I wanted to go to a story in the book of Exodus that we're going to look at that is an amazing picture of the principle that there is power in your praise. If you have a Bible on your phone or in your, like, um, in your handbag or your man bag or if you're watching at home and you're dual screening, get your Bible out. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 17 and we're going to read from verses 8 to verses 13 and it'll come up on the screens as well. It says this, verses 8 to 13 of chapter 17. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God, remember that, in my hands. So Joshua, remember that name, fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And, Aaron, and Moses and Aaron and her went on top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her held his hands up, one on either side one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is the word of the Lord 
Thanks be to God. Thank you, John Geach. Thank you very much. There's power in your praise. Three takeaways this morning that I want to draw from this passage. Three things that God speaks to me about when I read this. And I wonder if he might want to speak to you about today. First, there is power in your praise because your praise impacts your future. Your praise impacts your future. Look at verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. A little context for this battle. God has led the people out of Egypt. The weeks before, they've gone to the desert, and no sooner have they escaped Pharaoh's army than they are attacked by a tribe called the Amalekites. Now, I've done the study into the Amalekites, and basically what you need to know about the Amalekites is you never want to be attacked by the Amalekites, okay? The name Amalekite in itself means a people who lick blood. These guys are like the orcs of the Middle East. You do not want to be attacked by the Amalekites. They are scary, they are hardcore, and they are fully trained and armed to the teeth. And so these guys who come out of Egypt, and don't forget, they are not an army They've been in captivity for generations, have no idea how to fight, and they're walking around in the desert, and they get attacked by the people whose name means we lick blood for breakfast. You do not want that to happen. If certainly, if you had never been in a conflict, you do not want this to be your first battle. Like, fine for like level 10 advanced warfare, but for the first battle, you want something a bit easier, like wild goats. You know, not the Amalekites. So I imagine it was like a bad morning in the camp. How are we going to overcome this battle? And not only that, but you'll notice the name Joshua. And this is the first time we hear the story, the name of Joshua in the story of the people of God. Joshua would go on to lead the people of God. He would lead the battle. So this battle in this moment is literally symbolic of not just the first time these guys have to learn to fight, but it's symbolic of actually the whole future of the people of God, the future of the leadership of the people of God. I wonder what's in your future today. I wonder what battle you're facing today. I wonder what insecurity or challenge or fear is knocking on your door this morning. I wonder what your dreams are. I wonder where you want to be in 30 years from now. And as the battle starts, Moses goes to the hill overlooking the battlefield, and he lifts his hands to heaven. I remember the first time I walked into the doors of church. Maybe you're a visitor today, and it's like, you haven't been in church for a while, and it's like, oh my gosh, all these people are like having their hands in the air. What is going on? I'd never seen that before when I walked into the church the first time. I was like, what are they all doing? But of course, it's a very natural response. Lifting your hands to express praise. Take the football. If you go to a football match and your team are winning, it's like, yay! I opened my BBC News app yesterday, last night, and the headline I was thrilled to see was this. Have a look at this. It says, Jesus hits four points to send Man City four points clear. I got excited for the moment. I thought maybe there's been like divine intervention in the premiership. It turns out it's another Jesus, the Brazilian footballer, Gabriel Jesus. But I bet you when he hit four to take the team clear at the top of the premiership, I bet you there were a few hands in the air 
as that happened. So Moses there in the battle and he lifts his hands by faith in the air. And as he lifts his hands, the battle for the future begins to be won. The point is this, there is power in your praise because praise impacts your future. As we praise God, we see breakthrough and blessing. When we put God first, God will change the scoreline in your life. He comes and fights your battles alongside you. So let me challenge you in the next week when you turn up at work tomorrow, when you're with your friends on Friday night, find a moment when you face temptation or battle or challenge to praise God in the midst of it. And you'll find the situation may not change, but what will change is deep inside of you you'll start to be aligned again with God's presence in that situation. So the first takeaway, praise, let it change your future today. There's power in your praise. It'll impact your future. Second takeaway, is everyone with me? Are you good? If you're in the chat, hit me up with some emojis, all right? Second takeaway, number two, there is power in your praise because praise impacts your friends. Praise impacts your friends. Look at verse 12. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Moses' praise impacts his friends. They are drawn into this encounter with God. You know, it's so good to be together in church, isn't it? I don't know if you were here last Sunday. Last Sunday, we welcomed over 1,700 people to Saint, either in person or online. The place was packed. We literally had standing room only. We're seeing people starting to come back to church. It's so exciting. And standing together and worshiping together and singing together is so good for us as a community, isn't it? That's why we do it. We don't just do it as like the warm-up act. It's the thing we do. And you know, when I walk in the room and my faith is flagging, it's often you guys who lift me up. It's standing next to my friends who are like, yeah, we're going to keep praising God, that keep my heart lifted to heaven. You know, the place this battle is fought is a valley called Rephidim. And in the Hebrew, the word Rephidim means to spread out and support. As we gather to praise, We're literally, as we spread out our hands, we're supporting one another. We're being community. And even more so in our vulnerability, even more so when we don't feel like it, we're having a bad week or month or day, we turn up and it's like, it's hard. It's those moments when you choosing to praise lifts my hands. It keeps me going, amen? So here's a thought, you know, could we come to church and could we encourage one another? Could you come with like the attitude of not like, hey, I'm here to be entertained. Impress me. Or like, you know, I'll come and go. I, yeah, it's, that's not that a big deal. There's lots going on in my life. Actually, could you come and bring your praise? Because when you do, what happens is it raises the spiritual temperature of the room for everyone, right? You know, we get encouraged in our faith. That's what friends are for. Because actually, when you choose to praise, what happens is every one of us steps into that encounter. Like Moses' friends, he keeps his hands raised. They hold him up. They are involved 
in seeing the victory won in that moment. They become what real friends are for. Amen? So that's the second thing. Third takeaway I drew out of this passage. It's real simple. as this. There is power in your praise because praise impacts your faith. Praise impacts your faith. Verse 9. I will stand on the top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands, Moses says. Now, if you know the story of the life of Moses, maybe you've seen the movie or the cartoon, you'll know he's always got like a staff, right? You know, the sort of big like Gandalf-like staff. He's always got this staff. And you'll know how significant this staff was. You remember the day he was called, the burning bush, God says to Moses, what's in your hand? He looks, he's like, a stick. I'm out on the, sh- the sheep, you know, doing the sheep thing on the hill. He's like, that'll do. Take what's in your hands. And that staff becomes symbolic of the story of God. I wonder what's in your hands today. He takes a staff, and when he gets to Egypt, and he says, let my people go, and Pharaoh doesn't let him go, he holds that staff over the water, and the water is transformed. There's plagues and an and impact happen right there and then. When they get out of Egypt and they're being chased by Pharaoh's army, they get to the edge of the sea. God says to him, stretch out your hand, your staff over the water. As he stretches out his hand and his staff, the waters pass and the people are led to freedom. And then in the desert, they're walking around and they're dying in the desert after a few weeks. And he says, take your staff and strike the rock. And then the rock becomes flowing with water because of the staff. So when they get their first battle, Notice Moses knows what to do. He takes his staff and he lifts his hands to heaven because he knows that the staff is symbolic of God's faithfulness intervening in his story. Maybe he's like holding it up in praise and he's like, you spit the sea so I could walk right through it. I don't know, like maybe he's like worshiping in his heart, but he knows that that story of what God has done for him is symbolic of God's faithfulness to him. I wonder what's in your story, what's in your hand that God might use. I wonder what you've come through that God might want to use for praise. I wonder what God has called you to. I wonder what God has delivered you from. I wonder how God has provided for you in the desert times. And I wonder how God might work for you in the battle for victory. Because it's by faith that the battle gets won. It's by faith that the future gets changed. It's by faith that hands are raised and lives are changed. And I want you to understand this. It's not about you. Like, it's not about you. It's not your faith, by the way. It's not dependent on us. It's our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that will see victory in the battles around us. That's what changes things. That's why we praise. That's why there's power in our praise, because it changes the future. It changes us as a community. But also, as we remember the faithfulness of God, Nothing is impossible again. You know, as a little side note, I I always ask myself when I'm reading the Old Testament, where is Jesus in this story? 
I know it sounds strange. You might be thinking, well, hang on. Obviously, Al, the New Testament is the one with Jesus in it. We've read the story, you know. But where is Jesus in the story? Because, of course, Jesus is the God of the Old Testament as much as he is the God of the New Testament. You know, and Jesus says in John 58, John 8, verse 58, it says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. It's the same I am that Moses says, who are you? Standing there with a burning bush. And he says, I am who I am. On the mountaintop, he says, show me your face. He says, no, I am who I am. It's the same Jesus who appears and when challenged, says, before Abraham was, I am who I am. So Jesus is in this story, and I wonder if you can see him in the battle. I mean, think about it for a moment. There's a battle going on. Where is Jesus in this story? Can you see him? Consider this picture. There's a hill. And there are three figures on the hillside. Where have we seen that picture before? And there's a man with his arms spread out. Can't hold his arms up anymore, so they support his arms. He's holding wood, the creator of the world, the carpenter's hands, holding wood, the faithfulness of God. In that moment, we suddenly see what Moses is doing is a pre-echo of what one day Jesus will do on a hillside, surrounded to his left and his right by friends holding up the faithfulness of God, stretching wide his hands before heaven in praise. In fact, every word Jesus says on the cross is a song from the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. Everything he's doing there is praising in the midst of the battle, and it's not a battle at Rephidim against the Amalekites. It's a battle against sin and death and freedom and the future of our lives and our souls and our destiny and our friendship and our future is won by Jesus on that cross. You can clap. It's okay. You're not interrupting me. Jesus has won the battle for you. That's why we praise. That's why we lift our hands up to heaven in the battle, because we're reminded that it's his power and his glory And it begins to change us and change our perspective. It changes who we are when we start to give of ourselves back to God. And we choose to move from despondency to praise, from like apathy to adoration. It starts to change our future. It starts to change the people around us. And it starts to raise our faith and open our eyes so we can see that the battle is the Lord's. Amen. So I wanted to tell you the end of that story. 17th of April, 1997. The day my dad dies, I'm on my knees in my halls of residence. And I'm praising God in the shock and in the pain. And that day I learned that there is power in our praise. What happened? Well, God didn't raise my dad from the dead. I, I, honestly, I went and I prayed for him to do that. He didn't radically change the grief. The grief is real. The pain still hurts to this day. I still feel the loss. 
But something kind of miraculous did take place. I think for me, the biggest question when I was praising God is, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand where you are in the midst of this. And later that day, I arrived back home and I found um, my home full of people, full of grief, full of um, busyness that comes with death. There was all this noise and funerals to plan and, and, and undertakers and all this crazy stuff going on. And to get away from it all, I slipped out from the kind of kitchen where we were and went out into the garden and across the garden to where my dad had his studio in this like outbuilding. And I kind of, I think I, I kind of went there because I wanted to know where he was. I wanted to know what, what, what was going on really. And on the way over there, I'm walking and I'm praising God in the best way I know how. I'm thanking God. And I'm asking God, like, for assurance about my dad. Like, where is he now? What's going on? And you've got to understand this is a 19-year-old with a broken heart. This is not theology. It's not complicated. And so I walk into his studio, and it's perfectly still. It's exactly as he left it the night before when he'd been working in that place. And he'd been working all day the day that he died on a new piece of work. And it was sitting on this block in the middle of the studio. It was clay. And it had a cloth over the top to keep it dry, keep it wet. And I can still see it. I walked over and I remember lifting up the cloth and just lifting it off and I could see this kind of mess, this lump of clay with a shape. And it still was like wet. It still had his thumbprint in it. It was unfinished. It had just begun to take shape. But the subject was unmistakable. What he was working on that had been consuming his mind, what was it? What was he doing on his last day on earth? What was he thinking about? And if you're an artist, I know some of you are, you'll know that when you're at work in a studio, you don't think about much else. You know, you're just thinking about the subject and you're obsessing about it and you're turning it over in your mind and you're considering it and you're pondering it and you're, you're drawn into what was going on. What was he doing in those hours before he went and had that heart attack? All I can make out on the easel was this figure leaning forward and it was like this person was kind of abstract but it was like a ladder and a person I was like what is that and of course in the Old Testament Jacob has this vision of heaven opening and these angels ascending and descending on this ladder to heaven and then my mind suddenly goes to something I've been reading and it's Jesus in John's gospel the beginning of John and John chapter 1, 51, and Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending, not on a ladder, but on the Son of Man. In other words, on Jesus. You see, the day my dad died, he was working on Jesus as the way to heaven. And if I ever needed a sign that God was at work, that God was present in my pain, that God was faithful in the battle, that he was still in control. There was victory, even though I was walking through failure. It was sitting right in front of me 
in the fingerprints of a man who'd spent his last hours looking up to an open heaven. And in that moment of battle, once again, my faith rose. My arms lifted in praise. My future became different to how it could have been had I walked away from there cynical and angry. And in that moment, I found myself again in a place of praise and learned that there is power in your praise. I wonder where you're at today. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you feel like you're disconnected from God. Maybe you feel a little bit bruised by the last two years. Maybe it's felt like it's been hard work. Maybe you're tired. Maybe your arms feel like they're flagging. Maybe you're sitting watching this at home and you're like, I'm not sure I could ever go back to church because I'm not sure I could ever lift myself out of my, my, my situation I'm in. Or maybe you're here and you just need a little bit of encouragement to keep going, to know that you're loved, to know that your life is not an accident. It has purpose, that God is interested in the details of your day-to-day -day life. And maybe you feel like your arms are drooping because you've got no strength left. Maybe you're exhausted or grieving or lonely or insecure or afraid. Well, hey, join the club. The church is not a place for perfect people. It's a hospital for broken people where we lift each other's arms up in praise. We keep going. The good news is Jesus is here today and he wants to meet with you right now. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.